2: hey guys on today's pod i had on matthew stocko once again returning from a week absence we talked about the raptors recent struggles and what's going on with this team then we broke it down kind of game by game what went wrong with the nuggets game the nets game and then most recently the bucks lastly we take our three biggest concerns about the team and then on a scale of one to ten go into detail what's most concerning to us
1: it going mike you know how sometimes when you really like a team and your mood will get affected by how that team is currently performing um that's how i would describe my mood it's (laughs) like life is good but but you know raptors are performing interestingly and if not have been an underwhelming over the last little while so you know that's not it's not a good feeling going into the Christmas season. I wanted you know another ten game win streak, beating the box. Like hey, it's all good. It's Christmas. We're going out on this West Coast road trip. It's going to be great. But instead, you know we, uh, we 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 have to evaluate the team and see 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 where they're at right now because it's it, you know there are some things that aren't looking very good.
2: Right, and it's been two weeks since me and you talked. We had Christopher Klein of the Sixers sent on to kind of break down the Sixers in the future matchup. Then let's kind of just move towards the most recent four games because we've been talking about how great this team is for most of the season and they performed great they're still number one in the NBA but what over the past four games has been most concerning to you
1: you know it's 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 hard to pinpoint a one thing but I think at a at a more and you know to take it bring it more to like a Business sort of thing, like at the umbrella level. I think the, and there's many pieces underneath that, is the execution of the offense as a whole. Um, the Raptors are, per, you know, their scoring is a little bit down. Um, I think in some of even these losses, the 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 defense has actually not been bad. For the most part, there's obviously been lapses or or times when mistakes happen, but that's obviously gonna happen throughout throughout a game. Um and I mean and I mean for the most part the losses have actually been uh quite close, right? Like especially over the stretch. But I think where the concern for me has really been is on the is on the offensive execution end. It seems that the team no longer uh you know, like a, a few games of bad threes have really or a poor shooting percentage from 3 have really gotten into their heads and it the, especially in the box game and uh, and uh, the, the previous game against the Brooklyn Nets as well it really seems like offensive execution is a is an issue for this team all of a sudden which is crazy to think from watching their you know previous like 15 20 games where they were just really rolling and really in a nice groove it seems all of a sudden that they've become very stagnant very one on one you know you know, a lot of a lot of decisions being made. Just like I need to, it, it seems like a lot of players are going. I need to do something, and I'm not sure what to do. And which is really strange because before everybody seemed to be clicking and everybody seemed to be in place, right? And uh, and uh, you know, I think the team is really telegraphing as well when you know, oh, we're gonna let Kawhi shoot the ball, right? And I mean, like Kawhi's Kawhi's clutchness has been a little off in, in some of these close games as well, but I mean. I mean, also, I think that also goes back to offensive execution, right? Like, how you are able to get your uh, your best, or the guy who you want to shoot the ball, the ball, and give him the best opportunity to do that. That's all about execution, right? So, I mean, we, I mean, we'll obviously get into the more individual pieces, but I think at a high level, it's been the offensive execution.
2: Yeah, to back up what you're saying, I have a couple of numbers to back that up. Over... The past four games, the Raptors have a 102.2 defensive rating, which ranks a ninth in the NBA, considering the strength of schedule over the past four games, playing teams like Denver, Milwaukee, and even the 76ers have a pretty good offense. That's not bad, you know. You can say, well, your defense should be in an elite versus elite level teams, but at some level, when other teams are playing the Chicago Bulls and stuff like that, ranking ninth considering the strength of schedule is certainly acceptable over that span. What's not okay is the Raptors during that same period have the 25th ranked offense during the period. They've really struggled executing, like you said. It seems like a lot of times they're making an extra pass when they don't need to. I've seen a couple of guys be hesitant. Mostly Kyle Lowry and DeLon Wright have passed up open threes, which isn't acceptable from guys like them. This team is really struggling offensively right now. They haven't scored more than 110 in each of the past four games. Going back five, even if you count the Cavaliers' win, overall this team is really struggling on offense, and I think a lot of it can just be attributed to Kyle Lowry.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I think um, I think it's really hard to win in the modern NBA day, uh, today as a Kobe-like player, where you just take over individually, right? Like teams are a lot smarter now, and teams are much more willing to dare other players to. Um, you know, shoot the ball. I, I mean, all, all the credit goes to the Bucks, right? Hey, Serge Ibaka, shoot that three. Hey, uh, hey, Delon Wright, shoot that three, right? Um, we're going to let you take those shots and, uh, you know, I mean, Serge Ibaka, for the most part, actually performed pretty well yesterday in terms of shooting the three, but I think teams are maybe realizing that this, that, that this overall team doesn't have as much uh, three-point firepower as initially thought. Um and uh, teams are really switching up their, their their defenses. They're really crowding Kawhi. And um and I think this actually goes back to coaching to uh, you know, we've we've spoken very highly of Nick Nurse on this podcast for the most part, but um I think Nick Nurse has to work a little bit more to get his team to give Kawhi good looks because it looks like Kawhi is creating a lot for himself, right? And and I mean and I mean he's been performing fantastically over the stretch individually, but uh, I feel like he could get some even easier looks, right, and, and and even get in better position. But yeah, Lowry, I mean, I mean, he took that he took that game off against, I think it was the Cavaliers, right, for a quote unquote back injury, and who knows if that is still laboring him. But his shot seems really flat and really short, um, and he has been very uh you know very laborious his defense has actually not been so bad but he's been getting beat a lot um he's still he's still doing a pretty good job of running people off the line which i think is uh you know one thing that i've really enjoyed about this raptors team's defense as a whole is that their ability to actually run people off the line but it's the 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 offense is concerning the it's paining me a little bit when you know they're they're swinging into the corner and there's a nine, and, and and you know the the player has more than enough opportunity to be able to to shoot the three comfortably and they're passing it up or they're hesi- or even worse is when they're hesitating for a second when they get the ball because that just allows the defense time to shift back to their uh, to their stance and then you've wasted like maybe like 10 15 seconds off the shot clock right and then you just have to create something and uh you know uh, you know even watching teams like the milwaukee bucks how they were able to give Giannis opportunities to get to his spots that he likes right like uh, cross cuts and all that and uh you know i think too nurse is really pushing right now um the the small guard lineups with Lowry and uh, Fred Van Vliet and such, and uh, you're I'm noticing a trend too of of uh, they're switching onto big guys and those big guys are getting opportunities to get the ball and create something either at the po either you know a good shot for themselves so I think on the defensive end it's not helping either so they're trying to create more three point shooting but since those threes aren't falling, they're actually giving up a little bit defensively as well. So, uh, yeah, there are, there are definitely some, uh, some offensive concerns.
2: Let's kind of go back and start, look at a game by game, starting with the Denver Nuggets. The Nuggets was a 106-103 game. I thought going into that game that it was going to be a little bit more of a shootout. Denver's actually been much better defensively this season than you would expect, given where they were at last year and really just a better overall team. But that game came down to the wire. There was a, you know, a ticky-tack foul. Some will call on... They'll say that it shouldn't have been called on Serge Ibaka with an off-ball action. I don't really have a problem with the call. He pretty clearly kind of hooks Jokic, and it really impeded him on the off-ball cut. You can say that that call isn't made very often in late-game situations, and I tend to agree with you. But, you know, I... I'm never mad when the right call is made, even if it's not made very often. Matt, what was your kind of overall thought on that foul there?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, You know, it, it's funny, too, because the next uh, the next game was against the Cavaliers, right? And they called that same call again. Um, or, or whomever the next game was against. That, the Sixers. That, that the,
2: the game before yeah. was the Cavaliers.
1: Oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Sixers game. That same call was made, uh, actually, which I found to be funny. You know, I think, too, as a fan of the game, uh, you know, I tend to agree with you, right? Like, it sucks when that happens, and it feels like it's it's a uh, it's a slight against the team, or like you know the five on eight mentality of the ref, of the refs are on the, the side of the other team. But in reality, right? I mean, it is the it is the correct call, and Jokic was really uh, uh, if you look at it too, when 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 the ref blows the whistle, Jokic knew exactly what he was uh, the ref was calling because Jokic had been like in the ref's ear about it too, right? So, I mean. I mean Ibaka, like if if that's gonna happen, right? You've you've gotta you've gotta you know fight through that a little bit more. Maybe give up a quick bit of spacing to recover correctly to at least you know challenge Jokic one on one there. But I mean, it is the right it is the right call. He was he was grabbing, and I mean I mean it, it just is what it is, right? I think I think some of the Raptors' execution down the stretch of that game put them in that position, right? Uh, so I mean, really. I mean, really, it's the Raptors' fault for being in that position in the first place.
2: And if you want to complain about a point, how about the point that the Raptors freely gave up when Nick Nurse got his technical on the call that JV fouled the guy? I understand that that's a questionable call. It's also funny that that's something that the refs have been more keen on focusing in on because of Kawhi Leonard. Obviously, it happened when he was with the Spurs, but they're a little bit more kind of – they're very more strict on – Players crowding the shooter space and everything like that since the Kawhi Leonard injury. Nick Nurse gets that technical. That really cost the Raptors a point, and you can say, well, he needed to do that to let the refs know. Well, okay, I mean, if you really think that you're getting a point's worth of calls after that technical, then I don't know what to tell you. I think more likely Nick Nurse lost his temper, which cost the Raptors a point, and that was the difference in the game as much as the call on Jokic
1: yeah I, it, it's such a um, it's such a, uh, a spine balance right between, between that that the coach's technical foul being a positive and being a negative. And I think that the way nurse reacted now again, you know young coach learning how to take these technical fouls, it's gonna happen, right? And hopefully and hopefully he's learned from it. but he was almost too animated to the point that you know it's like it's like it's like it's like a child right like sometimes like sometimes when a child is too animated or crying too much you ignore you ignore instead of actually listen right and he was like animated like going like 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 going a little bit too over the top
2: they needed to tee him up there he was gonna get a technical no matter what and honestly he could have been ejected the way he reacted on the sideline
1: Yeah, yeah 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 like i I mean, I mean, I feel I feel in that opportunity, especially in such a close game, you know, with uh, I mean, I mean, really right. The Raptors, the Raptors over this last little stretch have lost to the top team, uh, top team in the Western Conference and their biggest competition in the Eastern Conference, which is concerning. But, um, you know, especially in those sorts of situations. Right. You need to you need to you need to like be really upset about it. Right. But not like F you, ref, like you don't know what you're talking about. How could you like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh and, and a lot of that is body language because I think like if I was a ref I would actually respect the 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 coach's opinion more if he was upset but not like in your face like this is nuts oh my god like you know what I mean mm-hmm. like 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 acting like you just like you stole his first child or something like that like no like 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 it shouldn't be like that right like you have to be very strategic in how you use that technical uh, how you use that technical foul if you're gonna do it right because really it's a decision right like i am gonna get so upset that i get a technical foul here right like 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 like, i don't know if a coach is ever really that upset that they just that that they do it absentmindedly. mindedly
2: i they think shouldn't more, be at least that, you should yeah, never be that upset
1: no 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 no, no, no right like like, like, you should own, like, it's kind of like when a manager walks out in a baseball game, mm-hmm. right? They know exactly what they're doing when they go out there, right? They're out there to make a point. And, um, you know, the earlier in the game, I think, if you're going to do that, the earlier in the game you can do it, the better, right? If you're really seeing the calls going against you and you feel really strongly about it, right? Because, because then the players, I mean, the, from a player's perspective, they know that they have your back and everything or that you have their back. But it, it, it just seems silly and ill advised, right?
2: Sure, yeah. It's, at this time, to me, there's two reasons why you get a technical foul. You either, one, do it to hope that you get more fouls down the road and later in the game, which at this point, it was in the fourth quarter. There's not that many fouls to gain the competitive advantage on. Two is you do it to fire up the team or to show the team that you have their back. Well, it's not. that's a move that you do when you're down maybe 14 in the fourth quarter and you just kind of need your team's playing flat and you need a bit of energy, a spark into the team. The Raptors were on a run during that time. So that's what made the technical such a poor decision at that time. To me, it was one of Nurse's biggest gaffes as a coach so far. He's had a rough week. I don't by any means think that he's a bad coach or anything like that. But it's been a bad week for Nurse, who's struggled in the Nuggets game, and he really struggled in the Nets game as well.
1: And he's struggling a little bit with rotations as well. now. I mean, some of that is player driven, and that some of those players are not really giving him much. But, um, you know, I think that I think that it's some of his some of his choices at certain times have suddenly not seemed so smart. Um, again, like again, like you know, against the Milwaukee Bucks, going hyper small that was kind of driving me nuts, right? Because lots of lots of second chance opportunities and and, and you know, gang rebounding. Gang rebounding works for the most part, right? And I understand too that you have to work with the personnel of what you have, and and and, and there's going and like you know you know to, to out rebound the Milwaukee Bucks can be a little tough because they're just so long and lanky, and not many teams can probably do it. But
2: well, they're I actually mean, a pretty poor rebounding team.
1: Uh oh, and, and and you know what? I should have had up their stats actually. I didn't. Have no, issues. it's okay. So we were talking about the Nuggets game, so that's what I had up. But.
2: Uh, I actually didn't mind the super small lineup. I thought that it fared better than when JV was in the game. At least they gave you some kind of matchup with – Brooke Lopez isn't going to really kill you in the post. And at least when you had Pascal, it felt a little bit faster. I'll, I'm looking at the numbers right here. Yeah, JV was pretty much roasted defensively whenever he was on the court versus Milwaukee. So I was more a fan of those small lineups, I think, than you were. So yeah, JV was minus nine, and those Pascal lineups. I I don't have that exact number, but it looked like JV was getting roasted pretty bad whenever he was out there. So I'm not as concerned about playing JV so little versus the Bucks.
1: I mean, and I mean also talk about talk about roller coaster of net positive, net negative in JV. I think there's a, you know, another concern too. Um, it was the Brooklyn game, I believe, where he uh, where he was. Oh, man, he was making some questionable decisions to oh. stretch that game.
2: Yeah, I, want, I was going to save it to when we talked to Brooklyn, but let's just go ahead and move in. I think we can move past the 76ers win We can touch on real quickly here. The 76ers, I just think the Raptors are a tough matchup for them. I'm not sure what the 76ers can do, seeing as that Kawhi Leonard just is absolutely in the head of Ben Simmons. He rips him seemingly every time. Simmons tries to attack the hoop. He's been really stale in the two games against Toronto. I combined 18 turnovers in those two games. The 76ers, you would think Joel Embiid would be able to eat on Serge Ibaka. That hasn't happened so far this season. And despite Jimmy Butler's best efforts, the Raptors pretty easily took care of them. Was there anything that you took away from that matchup? I I guess I'll keep it kind of brief here because I talked with Christopher about it so much on the last pod but was there anything that kind of just jumped out to you I
1: I, I I mean I think you I think you said it all there right like the Raptors are just such a tough matchup for the 76ers that if the 76ers are playing um, standings standings game that they got to be they they, they want to be on the opposite uh, you know tree in the playoffs as for the Raptors as much as they can because the Raptors just match up so well against them and I mean you're right Kawhi is building houses in in uh, Ben Simmons head that I don't know I don't know if Ben Simmons can beat and I mean you know it's it, it, it's funny too because the teams that scare me outside of Mil- well actually even with Milwaukee right are the high volume three-point shooting teams because the Raptors still seem to have a trouble still seem to have trouble defending the three and um and and rotating on rotating on defense those are the teams that you know scare me more right like the um the 76ers are more of a slashing you know strength and runouts team and the Raptors for the most part do a pretty good job on running on on defending runouts as well so I mean I mean for me for me I just think you're right, like, the 76ers are a great matchup for the Raptors, and uh, and uh, they did a really good job of of um, of uh, limiting their three stars, right? Like, I mean, you let one of them go off, but not the other two, right? And I think that's the key to beating the 76ers, that if you can stop two of three, uh, then you're going to be in good shape.
2: Yeah, and unfortunately for the 76ers, you say that they want to be opposite of the Toronto Raptors. I'd agree with that. But I also believe that they want to be opposite of the Boston Celtics, and that seems like two mutually exclusive events for the time. Uh, the other thing is that we were talking about earlier was the Nets, and you mentioned J.V. struggles in that game, and that's what I want to kind of talk about here more than anything else. To me, that Nets game really brought out a lot of the deepest fears we should have as Raptors fans and people covering the Raptors is – you saw JV get roasted time after time in the pick and roll. I, during my notes for the games, I think I wrote six different times Russell kills JV, and it was JV took a deep drop, Russell took three, the Raptors guard failed to get over the pick. Russell took three dribbles in, took a pull-up jumper, and you can force pull-up jumpers all you want, and that's nice. I'm, like anybody, I think any reasonable fan, I'm a fan of the advanced statistics and know that you're forcing mid-range jumpers is the long-term solution to having a good defense, but they have to be contested. You can't just, I mean, these are NBA players and D'Angelo Russell is going to hit mid-range shot after mid-range shot if you're leaving it wide open. So seeing JV get exposed like that defensively, the late game execution to me, the next game was the most frightening of this four game patch and seeing them be out executed in the late game by a team that has been absolutely terrible in the clutch this season was really frustrating.
1: Oh my gosh! And this is D'Angelo Russell we're talking about. Like this is like, you know, not Would, Steph Curry or something like yeah, that, right? Like, well, yeah. just
2: imagine you talk about teams that the Raptors are going to run into. They're going to have to face the Golden State Warriors if they want to win a title. That's Steph Curry. They're going to have to face Kyrie Irving if they want to get past the East. That's Kyrie Irving. If D'Angelo Russell is tearing you up. Then you're going to have problems when you face quick guards like that.
1: Yeah, and and, and and I mean, talk about I mean, especially with Kyrie Irving, right? Talk about like a master of the the pick and roll and the and the one dribble, one to two dribble, you know, pull pull up, right? Like, whew. Um, the JV, uh, it, it's tough, right? Like, like, like he's so flat-footed that it makes it it makes it hard for him to. to you know to, to know what to do, right? Because you could either push him up uh, or push him up to to stop the dribble against some teams, but then you could also you, you know you can let him lay off, right, and just dare the team to shoot. However, I mean, with so many with so many good uh, one dri- one to two dribble point guards in the NBA, right? Like if you're the other team, why wouldn't you? So, I'm Mike. Like, what you're, you're 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 Nick Nurse? What are you doing? Are you just sitting? Are you just sitting JV and that's what it is?
2: Uh, I'm at that point, to be honest. I, I'm just not sure how he plays when you talk about the Milwaukee Bucks and Brooke Lopez, who's extremely explosive from beyond the arc, and you talk about the Boston Celtics who have a range of shooters who are all explosive beyond the arc. I believe that at this point, JV's in spot minutes versus those teams. Versus Celtics, you allow him to be out there whenever Baines is, and that's it. And versus the Bucks, I'm not sure who he can play against. If they keep Thon and Brooke Lopez both out there, you would hope that he can eat enough on Thon that he'll make up for the advantage. We'll see there. I, I'm not sure, if I'm Nick Nurse, JV's become borderline unplayable against two of your top opponents, which is obviously a huge deal, seeing as he's one of the Raptors' handful best players. If he can't play, that's a big net negative for Toronto.
1: If okay, so we're 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 kind of hovering around two issues right now. We're hovering around uh, a backup center and uh, who can play who can play defense and three point shooting. Um, it, it I, I, again, not trying to be the fair weather Toronto fan where let's blow it up and make a trade. Um, if you were to trade for one of those two areas of improvement, which would you try to go after if you could?
2: I would go after the center. To me, the three-point shooting is something... There's a lot of guys shooting historically below their career averages. And, yeah, we're a decent sample size into the season. But I still have confidence that Fred VanVleet and C.J. Miles might turn around their shooting. I can watch JV and know that he's not going to become any quicker over the next 50 games. So, to me, it's the backup center because... Shooting is something that kind of comes and goes, and depending on the day you might have it from certain guys and might not have it from others, JV's not going to become quicker over the next fifty games, and that's something that the Raptors really need to address.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I think that um, he you know part of the quote unquote benches struggles have really been JV's inability to play defense that allows. You know the team to go on a run, right? Like, I mean, everybody's going to miss shots throughout a game, but you know, with with those pick and roll struggles against some of these teams, you see you see the team you see the opponent score with such ease, right? And with momentum shifting all the time and momentum going around, the the result can be something really, you, you, you know, like it puts a lot of pressure on the offense to score, right? And the bench is historically not as offensively inclined anyway right Uh, at least the one that we have today so i think i would tend to agree with you i mean unless unless you could somehow get bradley beal for jv cj miles and norman powell which of course you're not but then um how like like how could you not want to try to go after a backup center who's more mobile and and but again where do you find that right like it's really tough
2: well yeah at least to give you options when you're in a final playoff series have something you know, just another arrow in the quiver that you can pull out and use in case of a situation where you're getting run off the court like JV has over the past couple of games. It's, it will be interesting to see. Um, I want to see more Pascal at center lineups. I know the team's not rebounding well when he's out there, but to be frank, they're not rebounding that well when it's the Serge Ibaka center lineups. So I'd rather see a lineup that can kind of switch across everything, get out and run a little bit more that might be to me some of the some of your answers with the bench unit is if you can run a little bit more it might help your offense kind of develop into a better rhythm than what it's been as of late
1: yeah i would agree too the the bench is not really a unit that has a lot of like ha- half court execution right mm-hmm. that um, like a lot
2: of teams i would say to be fair i yeah, think a lot of yeah. teams the reason they're on the bench is because they're not elite offensive players, so that's why you have a bench unit that sometimes struggles to generate points unless it's in transition.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I'm not saying like it's a unique problem to the Raptors or anything, but yeah, like I mean, they they should have never lost to
2: the Brooklyn Nets,
1: right? Like I think uh, to be honest with you, out of all those uh, out of all the losses recently, it's the Brooklyn Nets when I feel that actually had the worst execution out of all of
2: them. Yeah, absolutely. You you lose to a team like Milwaukee when your second-best player scores two points, and it's, it's not a good thing, but you realize that you could have done more if Kyle Lowry hits two jumpers and, boom, you win the game. You know, When you lose to the Brooklyn Nets, that's one of the worst teams in the NBA, and I know that they're plucky and try really hard, but for God's sake, D'Angelo Russell's their best player. That's not a team that should beat the Toronto Raptors on any given night.
1: Shout out to the uh, uh, to the coaching staff of the Brooklyn Nets, though. I mean, they are, uh, uh, uh they, you, you know, they're they're being coached the right way, I think, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, they and they play hard, and there's certainly something to be said for where they're at in the rebuilding process. It's just on a, a night, particularly not a back-to-back, that's not a team that should be able to compete with the Raptors, let alone beat the Raptors. Once it got to a late-game situation. I have a couple things here that I want to ask you about. Justin, you give me on a scale of 1 to 10 how concerning they are to you. Okay. One is the team's defensive rebounding this season.
1: Concerning, um, I would say uh, 10 being high, uh, 7. Yeah. I think. Like, I mean, like, and I mean, the only reason I say that it's a seven is because there are probably a few more areas that you're going to say that are a little more concerning to me. Um, I think that, uh, you know, the team, uh, when, when the team's locked in, they're actually not horrible, uh, a horrible rebounding team. Um, I actually think that, uh, you know, the, a few bad breaks, they've actually had a few bad breaks that seem really alarming, especially with some long rebounds and stuff. But um, the, the, for, the mo- for, for the most part, you know they they're, they're getting a lot of stuff. So they're obviously creating a lot of turnovers and a lot of like you know tip balls and all that sort of stuff. So that's all great. Um, but for me, I mean it's still a concern, but that's because when they go small, they go really small, which can be a little concerning. A
2: uh, couple things. One is you were right on the Milwaukee Bucks rebounding. They are second in the NBA in rebounding percentage. I'm sorry, they were terrible last year. I know they ranked in the bottom, I think in the bottom five of all NBA teams. So mm-hmm. this year they've actually turned it around, and I don't know whether that's just due to the addition of Brooke Lopez and Ersan Ilyasova, or if my guess would be that Budenholzer put a more emphasis on it. But you are actually right. This team, is they are second in the NBA. Um, but when it comes to defensive rebounding percentage, the Toronto Raptors are currently 27th in the NBA with a rebound percentage of 70.4, meaning opponents are getting approximately 29.6% of misses. That's not good, and Ugh. I mean, when you talk about some of the teams that are, they're behind. They're behind the Nets, who play small frequently. ronde Hollis Jefferson is their power forward. They're behind the Kings, who are a dumpster fire. The Hawks, who are a dumpster fire and play small. The rebounding has really been a struggle, and part of that is Serge Ibaka's is not a very good rebounder at center. Pascal Siakam, for as great an athlete he is, is an average rebounder. Kawhi is a pretty good rebounder for his position. But you just have a lot of guys who are below average at their position. And I'm with you in the seven range. There's been teams that have been very good that don't have a great rebounding percentage. But when you're being placed below the Suns, Hawks, Kings, and Nets, that's not good.
1: Yeah. um, I actually didn't realize it was that low. Uh, that's, That's, I think, where the... Yeah, that's a little concerning because how can you be a top team in the NBA, right? If you if you're 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 hovering, you're you're, you're hanging around with the Nets and Hawks and and all these really bad teams. Uh, uh yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, I it, it, I don't know. To me, to me, I feel like some of probably some of the other struggles we're going to talk about can be rectified a little bit more. I I just I, I just don't see how this team, at least assembled currently, fixes their rebounding issues because of how small they play. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, and, and 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 so I think, right? Like the way you got to combat that is you got to hit threes and you got to hit shots, right? Like I mean, I think that's the only way that you can get around such poor defensive rebounding.
2: Sure, yeah, the Warriors have been a notoriously bad rebounding team pretty much during their entire run. The reason that they're able to live with that is because. They shoot a lot of threes and make a lot of threes, so you're right. able to generate more points. And you know they play great defense. Other than defensive rebounding, they just they swarm to the ball, so they're able to make up for that shooting and other or that rebounding disadvantage in other ways. To me, you'll never like you said. I don't think this will ever be a strength for the currently constructed Raptors. If you can lift it from 27th to 20th, then it's not as big of an issue. You know, you go from. Having it be a real disadvantage to it just being a neutral, then you're more then you're okay in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I think I think I think Kawhi should run a a defensive rebounding clinic because he seems to be all over the defensive rebounds consistently, and I think that that's you know you you know I think he's been probably the only positive rebounder on the entire team for the most part.
2: Uh, Kyle Lowry, I would say, is a really good rebounder in his position. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah uh, that's true next thing up is the shooting. How concerned, on a scale of one to ten, are you about the shooting?
1: Uh, nine. <laughs> I think um, I think uh, a lot of their struggles are are based around their poor shooting. And um, I mean, I mean, the the ability to get the shot. No, um, I think that the Raptors have actually been finding lots of great opportunities and lots of great chances for wide open threes. Right. But the thing is, is that we're talking about concerns with wide open threes and really and in rhythm threes and lots of, you know, and and they're not necessarily they're every you know every every game or so there's maybe one or two bad questionable threes like why, like a, like me shouting at the TV. Why would you take that, right? But I mean, I mean, I think the concern is that they're not making them right. So is it that the starters are too gassed and they can't get lift on their shot? Um, or, or or what? But I mean, CJ Miles is right. Like I mean, it's, he's having his worst season statistically shooting the three, which is a big concern. Um, Fred is very up and down. Uh, OG OG isn't quick enough with his decision making to be a consistent three point shooter, and Lowry has been uh, really short, right? And uh, he keeps on taking long threes too, which is which is another concern. But I think that you know uh, this. This team, as constructed, as we were just talking about with the, the with the defensive uh, issue or the defensive rebounding issues, a lot of their a lot of their problems can be made up if they can hit the three, but they're not hitting the three right now, and that's, um, uh, you know, I think I I I, I think it probably is the team's biggest concern.
2: I'm gonna go the other way a little bit. I'm with you on the importance of the three point shooting. Certainly, when you have a team like this that is based on pace and space and the new modern offense. The three point shot is very important to the team. But I just, I think I have more confidence that certain guys on this team are going to turn it around. There, to me, I just don't think CJ Miles is going to continue to shoot this poorly. He's been a shooter throughout his NBA career, and these past couple games, or these past 31 games, aren't going to change my mind on who he is as a player. Fred Van Vliet is going to turn it around, in my opinion. He, again, is a guy who. Just based on what I've seen from him throughout his career, I think that he's a better shooter than what he's displayed thus far. OG Ananobi's being more aggressive, I think that's a good sign. Pascal Siakam has shot it a little bit better than I thought he would. And a lot of these guys are just shooting below their career averages. I think that the three-point shooting is going to come around, and the later we get into the season, the more concerned I am about that. However, there's just so many guys shooting below their career average I think that it's going to bounce back eventually here
1: I certainly hope so and um, and you know I really hope that you're right because uh, uh, you know this uh, you know this team this team is, is at its best right when it's not when it's not uh, or when it is hitting threes right and they're they're not hesitation they're in rhythm and just to see just to see good shots and even in rhythm shots just clank it, 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 you can feel, you can almost feel the team's uh, uh, confidence drop you know what I mean mm-hmm. and that's and, and 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 I think that's the concerning thing right and I mean and I mean if if I were if I were to add in one of these it would be like you know how like 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 the team's just like mental toughness right and, and, and right now I think it's a little shook. Uh, um, and, and probably, and and that's precedented from these three points from these three point misses.
2: Yeah, it feels like they don't have. I feel every team needs that one super confident guy who's just kind of a heat check guy, and it seems like this mm-hmm. Raptor team doesn't really have it at this stage. Uh, you know, not even with Kawhi. Yeah, you know, he's more of an in rhythm guy to me than he is a like, kind of heat check guy. He's become more of a heat check player lately. But I'm talking just a Marcus Smart level of irrational confidence. Right. Just do something. (laughs) You know, uh, next I want to bring to you is the bench. The bench was the biggest strength of this team, I would argue, last season. They've been absolutely horrendous all year long. Nothing kind of amplified that more than this most recent loss to the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm going to give you the plus-minuses of a couple bench players. Fred VanVleet, plus three. OG Ananobi, minus 16. CJ Miles minus 14. DeLon Wright, minus 14. JV, minus nine. The bench has been getting absolutely killed. It looks like Nurse is trying to go back to this five-man hockey-style lineups to try to catch some of the energy that they had last season. It hasn't worked. The bench has been just as bad as it was. Matt, on a scale of one to ten, how concerned are you with the bench?
1: I will give it like an eight point five or an eight. Um, I mean, I mean, I mean. Let's admit, right? Like, yeah, it was the strongest of the strongest piece of the team last year. But I mean, I mean, I don't need it to be the strongest piece of the team this year. Um, I, you know, I'd much rather have my starting unit be uh, uh, like absolutely dominant. But I mean, they can't. They can't bring in players and have them all be negatives or small pluses, right? Like, 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 and you also can't just rely on five guys, right? If one of them gets injured, one of them gets tired, one of them gets in foul trouble, then then you're then you're screwed, right? Um, you know, for me, I, I mean, people know who listen to the podcast. I'm, you know, I'm not a fan of the hockey style rotations. I think they 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 just really bother me. And I just think that like, you know, it's really good to feed off of somebody's rhythm if somebody is in rhythm. Um, and uh, I see what nurse is trying to do, but you know, maybe wait and do that against the Atlanta Hawks or Orlando magic or somebody who's, who's just a little bit lesser of an opponent where we can try that. But I mean, the, the benches, the benches performance on both ends has not been very positive, And especially on the offensive end, there's just been little to no, uh, good decision making very very little movement and tons of hesitation when they are getting when they are getting open shots Uh, it looks like they don't know what to do and it it kind of worries me a little bit about the basketball iq of the team uh it it also worries me a little bit too that i'm saying like you know i'm really hoping when norman powell comes back he's seen some of the uh right right like 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 you know it concerns me though that i'm saying that right because because at least Norman Powell, you know, he gets into his stance and can, and can play and is capable of playing good defense, right? But, um, you know, you look at the bench and you look like, who am I going to look to, to to provide a spark, right? And right now I'm seeing a lot of heavy legs and low basketball IQ players, which isn't good.
2: Yeah, I can't wait till Norman, comes, Norman Powell comes back and adds poor decision-making with lack of a three-point <laughs> yeah, shot. Yeah, uh, exactly, right? <laughs> no, it's a fair question, and Fred VanVleet hasn't been the same player. He played well last night, but he's been worse, considerably worse this season than he was last year. There was perhaps a decent chance of regression coming seeing as he played a little bit out of his mind, I would argue, last year. OG and struggles have really bothered me. You know, he's. Raptor fans have really looked at him as this linchpin, and he's shown that he's more comfortable in a low-usage, high-efficiency role. He's tried to be a little more aggressive this year. It's had some mixed results. I wonder, is there anything that you would do to try to shake up this bench unit? Would you, obviously you said you're not a fan of the five-man rotations. I'm kind of with you. I don't blame Nurse for giving it a try, maybe just to try to kind of reignite this bench and do anything. Is there anything that you would kind of specifically look to do if you were Nick Nurse? Or do you think it's just a situation where you have to let them play through their struggles and hopefully they figure it out?
1: You know you know, I think what I mean, I don't really don't really want to say this, but I'm but I'm going to. I think the thing you might have to do is you might have to you might have to give Kawhi more time with this bench, right? And I mean and I the reason why I hate to say that is because you don't want the bench to be like, Oh, we'll just rely on Kawhi to, to do everything, right? But Maybe you need a Kawhi or a Kyle to 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 be that like you know almost calming center that it can be built around in many ways. Um, But I think I think you're right that you know you know you can't just stick with these all bench units if they're going to be this much of a negative, right? Because I don't necessarily see a lot. You know, you know, the thing is that I don't see a lot of the other top tier teams really doing that for the most part, at least for long stretches like we've been doing. And and, and and, you know, I think that there's a reason why is because is because teams are saying, you know, you know, we might have some depth, but we might not have as much depth as we thought. And I think perhaps and hopefully the Raptors coaching staff is realizing that. But it's I, I, I find it hard for how the team is going to find such a defensive boost or, or, or such a boost in their bench. I find it a little hard.
2: Yeah, you mentioned the Kawhi Leonard with bench units. I would do something similar. I think I'd look into these. If you remember two years ago they did, and maybe this isn't a good idea with how he's struggling right now, but if you look two years ago, they ran a lot of those Kyle Lowry with the bench units, and I wouldn't mind that. The problem is you have with Fred VanVleet and DeLon Wright, obviously you have a lot of minutes at point guard that you're trying to kind of squeeze out of. Another thing they might want to do is perhaps – try to do a few more Pascal with the bench units. The bench doesn't have quite as much ball handling on it as the starting unit does, so maybe it's one of those situations where you pull Pascal four minutes in, kind of just give him that nominal start, let OG and Anobi run the majority of his minutes with the starters, and then to start the second you bring Pascal back into the game and let him play with the bench unit because he gives that bench a little bit more, ball handling a little bit more playmaking ability something that the starting lineup I don't think needs as badly as the bench does
1: yeah and and and, and I mean to, to build off of your previous point about OG as well I mean we gave up DeMar DeRozan for OG right and that's uh, a lot of pressure and, 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 and you know one thing I've been finding with OG is that uh, you know his footwork and body language hasn't been very positive lately and I think that he's he's also been a little flat footed especially on defense um, you know he just—he's just been a little underwhelming for me. I think just overall. I mean, that—that that, that sounds like just bad commentary. But, I mean, hasn't hasn't necessarily been a defensive force, and, uh, and and some of his offensive attacks have been questionable. So, it's it's been a very disappointing uh, start for OG as well.
2: Is it crazy to try to bring Pascal off the bench? Sure.
1: I don't think so. I mean, I mean, I the, to to be honest with you, I think that 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 is, what you suggested just a second ago was probably the best thing that they can do. Pascal has been such a positive that you know I think that I think the American media would shred it to would shred the Raptors to pieces. But I mean, you want to if Pascal is playing the same amount of minutes and still being as impactful, it could be worth it, right? I mean, he's been he's been he's been impactful on both ends, but for me, I think. It's at least worth a try, right? Maybe start him, give him a a little bit of run, and then bring him back in with the bench and see what happens. Like, that's what I would do.
2: Yeah, you know, it's it's certainly not common for your third-best player, and I think pretty clearly Pascal is our third-best player at this point. It's not common for your third-best player to come off the bench, but it's not unprecedented. Do you think back to those Lakers championships teams and the guy pretty similar playing style, and Lamar Odom did something like that? I'm not sure if they're going to do that. I would at least like to see him get more minutes with the bench unit and have OG Ananobi, because he's more of a dependent talent, get more minutes with the starters, kind of playing off other talented players. Another thing I'd like to see is, you know, DeLon Wright's been really getting his minutes yanked around here the past couple games. I just don't know if you're a younger player and DeLon's in his fourth year in the league. It's certainly not like he's a first- or second-year player, But guys like him and OG, at some level it gets hard for them to find a rhythm when they're getting 10, 12 minutes a night. And a lot of that is dependent on their play. At some level, you have to be able to give these guys guaranteed playing time so they're not afraid to make mistakes. And you see DeLon passing up a lot of shots. I'm not so sure that some of that has to do with an unwillingness to want to shoot due to fear of getting pulled.
1: Yeah, and I mean... I mean, I think another criticism for Nurse has been DeLon's spotty minutes. Um, you know, there's been – DeLon has not been a positive every single game, that's for sure. Um, but, you know, there's been moments and I just think – and I just think it, it, it alleviates some of my woes with the small ball lineups because DeLon is just – you, you know he has that ability to rebound so much more and, and, and he's just, and, and he's a little bit quicker and a little bit lankier which helps against guarding like players like say Kyrie Irving um who who you know just helps but I don't I mean just watching the Bucks game last night I don't even remember I know DeLon Wright was in the game but I don't even remember that he was there right like and 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 thing right like because he's not giving the chance to be impactful as much and um you know I think I think too, right? Like the reliance on Fred has been a little high, and the output has been very low.
2: Yeah, I I totally agree with you. Uh, anything else you want to touch on here before we wrap up?
1: I I mean I don't think so. I uh, it, it, it's funny how it's funny how you never know you never know what we're going to talk about on the podcast. Is it going to be a week <laughs> up or a week down right now? Right and um and uh that's a little that's a little concerning and i think that you know it's a growth period of a small of a team so do we do we just allow them to ride it out right um you know I, I hope the team is not just like quick to pull a trade um but uh who knows i mean we'll see right maybe in a few weeks we'll be calling for a trade i hope not i hope we can turn it around i hope we can find cj miles and dillon right more impactful and figure out what the heck to do with JV, but um, you know, you know, there are still many positives around this team. I don't think by any means the sky is falling, and Kawhi is in the Clippers, right? Like, like I think that's a little crazy, but um, you know, it's also going to be interesting to watch their next game uh, tomorrow, or sorry, today, if you're listening to this tomorrow on Tuesday, with the Clippers, uh, you know, in town, right? Like, like. Like 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 what's like what like I know people are going to be watching Kawhi's every reaction, but I don't think the robot will give you any anything about what he's going to do.
2: Certainly not, and it's a stretch of the Clippers, Warriors, Blazers, Nuggets, Pacers coming up. So certainly not an easy road for the Red Bulls uh, coming up here. Yeah.
1: Uh, I, I read
2: today that you could see it. Wouldn't surprise me if they were no longer in first place by Christmas Day. Just that's the way the schedule is, and we'll see how it
1: looks which I'm okay which I'm okay with by the way I mean we talked about this two weeks ago right like like if they're in second or even third at that point but they've survived this stretch they, they I mean I mean they did really what any good team is supposed to do in, in easy stretches which is build a comfortable lead right and um and uh so you can ride out those waves but I don't want to see like an oh and six stretch right but even three and three I think I'd be okay with
2: certainly I'm with you there Okay, man. Thank you again for talking
1: to me. No problem. Talk to you later, man. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time.